Section 7 of An American Tragedy, Volume 2, by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Tatiana Chichilla. Book 2, Chapter 45. There are moments when, in connection with the sensitively imaginative or morbidly anachronistic, the mentality assailed, and the same not of any great strength, and the problem confronting it of sufficient force and complexity, the reason not actually toppling from its throne still totters or is warped or shaken, the mind befuddled to the extent that for the time being, at least, unreason or disorder and mistaken or erroneous counsel would appear to hold against all else. In such instances the will and the courage confronted by some great difficulty, which it can neither master nor endure, appears in some to recede in precipitate flight, leaving only panic and temporary unreason in its wake. And in this instance the mind of Clyde might well have been compared to a small and routed army in full flight before a major one, yet at various times in its precipitate departure, pausing for a moment to meditate on some way of escaping complete destruction, and in the coincident panic of such a state, resorting to the weirdest and most haphazard of schemes, of escaping from an impending and yet wholly inescapable fate. The strained and bedeviled look in his eyes at moments, the manner in which, from moment to moment and hour to hour, he went over and over his hitherto poorly balanced actions and thoughts, but with no smallest door of escape anywhere. And yet again at moments the solution suggested by the item in the Times Union again thrusting itself forward, psychogenetically, born of his own turbulent, eager, and disappointed seeking, and hence persisting. Indeed, it was now as though from the depths of some lower or higher world never before guessed or plumbed by him, a region otherwhere than in life or death and peopled by creatures otherwise than himself, there had now suddenly appeared, as the genii at the accidental rubbing of Aladdin's lamp, as the ifrit emerging as smoke from the mystic jar in the net of the fisherman, the very substance of some leering and diabolic wish or wisdom concealed in his own nature, and that now abhorrent and yet compelling, leering and yet intriguing, friendly and yet cruel, offered him a choice between an evil which threatened to destroy him, and against his deepest opposition, and a second evil, which, however it might disgust or sear or terrify, still provided for freedom and success and love. Indeed, the center or mentating section of his brain at this time might well have been compared to a sealed and silent hall, in which, alone and undisturbed, and that in spite of himself, he now sat thinking on the mystic or evil and terrifying desires or advice of some darker or primordial and unregenerate nature of his own, and without the power to drive the same forth or himself to decamp, and yet also without the courage to act upon anything. For now the genie of his darkest and weakest side was speaking, and it said, And would you escape from the demands of Roberta that but now and unto this hour have appeared unescapable to you? Behold, I bring you away. It is the way of the lake, past lake. This item that you have read, do you think it was placed in your hands for nothing? Remember Big Bittern, the deep blue-black water, the island to the south, the lone road to Three Mile Bay? How suitable to your needs! A rowboat or a canoe upset in such a lake, and Roberta would pass forever from your life. She cannot swim! The lake, the lake, that you have seen, that I have shown you, is it not ideal for the purpose? So removed and so little frequented, and yet comparatively near, but a hundred miles from here. And how easy for you and Roberta to go there, not directly but indirectly, on this purely imaginative marriage trip that you have already agreed to. 
and all that you need to do now is to change your name and hers or let her keep her own and you use yours you have never permitted her to speak of you and this relationship and she never has you have written her but formal notes and now if you should meet her somewhere as you have already agreed to and without any one seeing you you might travel with her as in the past to fonda to big bittern or some point near there but there is no hotel at big bittern at once corrected clyde a mere shack that entertains but few people and that not very well all the better the less people are likely to be there but we might be seen on the train going up together i would be identified as having been with her were you seen at fonda gloversville little falls have you not ridden in separate cars or seats before and could you not do so now is it not presumably to be a secret marriage then why not a secret honeymoon true enough true enough and once you have arranged for that and arrive at big bittern or some lake like it there are so many there how easy to row out on such a lake no questions no registry under your own name or hers a boat rented for an hour or half day or day you saw the island far to the south on that lone lake is it not beautiful it is well worth seeing why should you not go there on such a pleasure trip before marriage would she not be happy so to do as weary and distressed as she is now an outing a rest before the ordeal of the new life is not that sensible plausible and neither of you will ever return presumably you will both be drowned will you not who is to see a guide or two the man who rents you the boat the innkeeper once as you go but how are they to know who you are or who she is and you heard the depth of the water but i do not want to kill her i do not want to kill her i do not want to injure her in any way if she will but let me go and she go her own way i will be so glad and happy never to see her more but she will not let you go or go her way unless you accompany her and if you go yours it will be without sandra and all that she represents as well as all this pleasant life here your standing with your uncle his friends their cars the dances visits to the lodges and the lakes and what then a small job small pay another such period of wandering as followed that accident at kansas city never another chance like this anywhere do you prefer that but might there not be some accident here destroying all my dreams my future as there was in kansas city an accident to be sure but not the same in this instance the plan is in your hands you can arrange it all as you will and how easy so many boats upsetting every summer the occupants of them drowning because in most cases they cannot swim and will it ever be known whether the man who was with roberta alden on big bittern could swim and of all deaths drowning is the easiest no noise no outcry perhaps the accidental blow of an oar the side of a boat and then silence freedom a body that no one may ever find or if found and identified will it not be easy if you but trouble to plan to make it appear that you were elsewhere visiting at one of the other lakes before you decided to go to twelfth lake what is wrong with it where is the flaw but assuming that i should upset the boat and that she should not drown then what should i cling to it cry out be saved and relate afterward that but no i cannot do that will not do it i will not hit her that would be too terrible too vile but a little blow any little blow under such circumstances would be sufficient to confuse and complete her undoing sad yes but she has an opportunity to go her own way has she not and she will not 
nor let you go yours. Well, then, is this so terribly unfair? And do not forget that afterwards there is Sandra, the beautiful, a home with her in Lycurgus, wealth, a high position such as elsewhere you may never obtain again. Never. Never. Love and happiness, the equal of anyone here, superior even to your cousin Gilbert. The voice ceased temporarily, trailing off into shadow, silence, dreams. And Clyde, contemplating all that had been said, was still unconvinced. Darker fears or better impulses supplanted the counsel of the voice in the great hall. But presently, thinking of Sandra and all that she represented, and then of Roberta, the dark personality would as suddenly and swiftly return, and with amplified suavity and subtlety. Ah, still thinking on the matter. And you have not found a way out, and you will not. I have truly pointed out to you, and in all helpfulness, the only way. The only way. It is a long lake. And would it not be easy in rowing about to eventually find some secluded spot, some invisible nook near that south shore where the water is deep? And from there, how easy to walk through the woods to Three Mile Bay and Upper Gray's Lake, and from there to the Cranstons. There is a boat from there, as you know. Pah, how cowardly. How lacking in courage to win the thing that above all things you desire. Beauty, wealth, position, the solution of your every material and spiritual desire and with poverty, commonplace, hard and poor work as the alternative to all this. But you must choose, choose, and then act. You must, you must, you must. Thus the voice in parting, echoing from some remote part of the enormous chamber. And Clyde, listening at first with horror and in terror, later with a detached and philosophic calm, as one who, entirely apart from what he may think or do, is still entitled to consider even the wildest and most desperate proposals for his release, at last, because of his own mental and material weakness before pleasures and dreams which he could not bring himself to forego, psychically intrigued to the point where he was beginning to think that it might be possible. Why not? Was it not even as the voice said, a possible and plausible way, all his desires and dreams to be made real by this one evil thing? Yet in his case, because of flaws and weaknesses in his own unstable and highly variable will, the problem was not to be solved by thinking thus, then, nor for the next ten days, for that matter. He could not really act on such a matter for himself, and would not. It remained as usual for him to be forced either to act or to abandon this most wild and terrible thought. Yet during this time, a series of letters, seven from Roberta, five from Sandra, in which, in somber tones, in so far as Roberta was concerned, in gay and colorful ones and those which came from Sandra, was painted the now so sharply contrasting phases of the black rebus which lay before him. To Roberta's pleadings, argumentative and threatening as they were, Clyde did not trust himself to reply, not even by telephone. For now he reasoned that to answer would be only to lure Roberta to her doom, or to the attempted drastic conclusion of his difficulties as outlined by the tragedy at Pass Lake. At the same time, in several notes addressed to Sandra, he gave vent to the most impassioned declarations of love, his darling, his wonder girl, how eager he was to be at Twelfth Lake by the morning of the fourth, if he could, and so thrilled to see her there again. Yet alas, as he also wrote now, so uncertain was he, even now, as to how he was to do, there were certain details in connection with his work here that might delay him a day or two or three, he could not tell as yet, but would write her by the second at the latest, when he would know positively." yet saying to himself as he wrote this, if she but knew what those details were, if she but knew. 
yet in penning this and without having as yet answered the last importunate letter from roberta he was also saying to himself that this did not mean that he was planning to go to roberta at all or that if he did it did not mean that he was going to attempt to kill her never once did he honestly or to put it more accurately forthrightly and courageously or coldly face the thought of committing so grim a crime on the contrary the nearer he approached a final resolution or the need for one in connection with all this the more hideous and terrible seemed the idea hideous and difficult and hence the more improbable it seemed that he should ever commit it it was true that from moment to moment arguing with himself as he constantly was sweating mental sweats and fleeing from moral and social terrors in connection with it all he was thinking from time to time that he might go to big bittern in order to quiet her in connection with these present importunities and threats and hence once more evasion turgiversation with himself give himself more time in which to conclude what his true course must be the way of the lake the way of the lake but once there whether it would then be advisable to do so or not well who could tell he might even yet be able to convert roberta to some other point of view for say what you would she was certainly acting very unfairly and captiously in all this she was as he saw it in connection with his very vital dream of sandra making a mountain an immense terror out of a state that when all was said and done was not so different from esta's and esta had not compelled anyone to marry her and how much better were the aldens to his own parents poor farmers as compared to poor preachers and why should he be so troubled as to what they would think when esta had not troubled to think what her parents would feel in spite of all that roberta had said about blame was she so entirely lacking in blame herself to be sure he had thought to entice or seduce her as you will but even so could she be held entirely blameless could she not have refused if she was so positive at the time that she was so very moral but she had not and as to all this all that he had done had he not done all he could to help her out of it and he had so little money too and was placed in such a difficult position she was just as much to blame as he was and yet now she was so determined to drive him this way to insist on his marrying her whereas if she would only go her own way as she could with his help she might still save both of them all this trouble but no she would not and he would not marry her and that was all there was to it she need not think that she could make him no 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 at times when in such moods he felt that he could do anything drown her easily enough and she would only have herself to blame then again his more cowering sense of what society would think and do if it knew what he himself would be compelled to think of himself afterwards fairly well satisfied him that as much as he desired to stay he was not the one to do anything at all and in consequence must flee and so it was that tuesday wednesday and thursday following roberta's letter received on monday had passed and then on thursday night following a most torturesome mental day on his and roberta's part for that matter this is what he received Filts, wednesday june thirtieth dear clyde this is to tell you that unless i hear from you either by telephone or letter before noon friday i shall be in lycurgus that same night and the world will know how you have treated me i cannot and will not wait and suffer one more hour i regret to be compelled to take this step but you have allowed all this time to go in silence really and saturday is the third without any plans of any kind my whole life is ruined and so will yours be in a measure but i cannot feel that i am entirely to blame i have done all i possibly could to make this burden as easy for you as possible and i certainly regret all the misery it will cause my parents and friends and all whom you know and hold dear 
but I will not wait and suffer one hour more. Roberta. And with this in his hands, he was finally all but numbed by the fact that now, decidedly, he must act. She was actually coming. Unless he could soothe or restrain her in some manner, she would be here tomorrow, the second. And yet the second, or the third, or any time until after the fourth, was no time to leave with her. The holiday crowds would be too great. There would be too many people to see, to encounter. There must be more secrecy. He must have at least a little more time in which to get ready. He must think now, quickly, and then act. Great God, get ready. Could he not telephone her and say that he had been sick or so worried on account of the necessary money or something that he could not write? And that, besides, his uncle had sent for him to come to Greenwood Lake over the fourth. His uncle! His uncle! No, that would not do. He had used his name too much. What difference should it make to him or her now whether he saw his uncle once more or not? He was leaving once and for all, or so he had been telling her on her account, was he not? And so he had better say that he was going to his uncle, in order to give a reason why he was going away, so that, possibly, he might be able to return in a year or so. She might believe that. At any rate, he must tell her something that would quiet her until after the fourth, make her stay up there until at least he could perfect some plan, bring himself to the place where he could do one thing or the other. One thing or the other. Without pausing to plan anything more than just this at this time, he hurried to the nearest telephone where he was least likely to be overheard, and, getting her once more, began one of those long and evasive, and, in this instance, ingratiating explanations, which eventually, after he had insisted that he had actually been sick, confined to his room with a fever and hence not able to get to a telephone, and because, as he now said, he had finally decided that it would be best if he were to make some explanation to his uncle so that he might return some time in the future, if necessary. He, by using the most pleading, if not actually affectionate, tones, and asking her to consider what a state he had been in, too, was able not only to make her believe that there was some excuse for his delay in silence, but also to introduce the plan that he now had in mind, which was, if only she could wait until the sixth, then assuredly, without fail as to any particular, he would come meet her at any place she would choose to come. Homer, Fonda, Lycurgus, Little Falls. Only since they were trying to keep everything so secret, he would suggest that she come to Fonda on the morning of the 6th in order to make the noon train for Utica. There they could spend the night, since they could not very well discuss and decide on their plans over the telephone now, and then they could act upon whatever they had decided. Besides, he could tell her better than just how he thought they ought to do. He had an idea. A little trip, maybe, somewhere before they got married or after, just as she wished, but something nice, anyhow. His voice grew husky, and his hands and knees shook slightly as he said this, only Roberta could not detect the sudden perturbation within him. But she must not ask him now. He could not tell her over the phone. But as sure as anything, at noon on the 6th, he would be on the station platform at Fonda. All she had to do after seeing him was to buy her ticket to Utica and get in one coach, and he would buy his separately and get in another, the one just ahead or behind hers. On the way down, if she didn't see him at the station beforehand, he would pass through her car for a drink so that she could see that he was there. No more than that, but she mustn't speak to him. Then, once in Utica, she should check her bag, and he would follow her out to the nearest quiet corner. After that, he would go and get her bag, and then they could go to the little hotel, and he would take care of all the rest. But she must do this. Would she have that much faith in him? If so, he would call her up on the 3rd, the very next day, and on the morning of the 6th, Sure, so that both he and she would know that everything was all right, that she was starting and that he would be there. What was that? Her trunk? The little one? Sure. 
If she needed it, certainly bring it. Only if he were she, he would not trouble to try to bring too much now, because once she was settled somewhere, it would be easy enough to send for anything else that she really needed. As Clyde stood at the telephone in a small outlying drugstore and talked, the lonely proprietor buried in a silly romance among his pots and vials at the back, it seemed as though the giant Efreet that had previously materialized in the silent halls of his brain was once more here at his elbow, that he himself, cold and numb and fearsome, was being talked through, not actually talking himself. Go to the lake which you visited with Sandra. Get travel folders of the region there from either the Lycurgus house here or the depot. Go to the south end of it, and from there walk south afterwards. Pick a boat that will upset easy one with a round bottom, such as those you have seen here at Crumb Lake and up there. Buy a new and different hat and leave that on the water, one that cannot be traced to you. You might even tear the lining out of it so that it cannot be traced. Pack all of your things in your trunk here, but leave it, so that swiftly, in the event that anything goes wrong, you can return here and get it and depart. And take only such things with you as will make it seem as though you were going for an outing to Twelfth Lake, not away, so that should you be sought at Twelfth Lake, it will look as though you had only gone there." not elsewhere. Tell her that you intend to marry her, but after you return from this outing, not before. And if necessary, strike a light blow so as to stun her, no more, so that after falling in the water, she will drown the more easily. Do not fear. Do not be weak. Walk through the woods by night, not by day, so that when seen again you will be in Three Mile Bay or Sharon, and can say that you came from Racket or Long Lake South, or from Lycurgus North. Use a false name and alter your handwriting as much as possible. Assume that you will be successful. And whisper. Whisper. Let your language be soft, your tone tender, loving even. It must be if you are to win her to your will now. So the Efreet of his own darker self. End of Book 2, Chapter 45